You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon alongside Corey, the Bayou Benders, and we are joined today by a very special guest, and you are listening to Pads Nightly. Let's jump right into this. I want to introduce you guys to our guest today. I've been really looking forward to this podcast, to this interview, because I think, uh, you know, I, Sebastian, you know, great guy on Twitter, great follow. We've been speaking, going back and forth. And right before I introduce you, I've, uh, you know, we tried to get this going earlier. You know, we, it's sorry. It's like right before the draft, but. You know, this whole debacle, this whole interview process has had a few ups and downs. We're literally on our second take about five minutes in already. It's just the way of the world sometimes. But after that long intro, Sebastian, thank you for coming on. And we're excited to get this going for a second time. I'm excited to be here for a second time. Oh my God, we have audio. About five I minutes. Was, I was so nervous that he was, that Sebastian really? was going to Really? No, we're, we're, like, we're working. have no audio. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> the audio is working this time. Uh, hopefully, I'm I'm loud and clear. But yeah, absolutely. yeah. I'm, thanks so much for having me. I, it's always quite um, humbling, or not, not humbling, but it feels nice when I get invited to podcasts, right? Because it's just a nice feeling that it's like, oh, your opinion is valued. That's awesome to hear. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm very much excited for the draft because I mean I, I spent the entire year scouting this class so it's really exciting for the, this the time to actually be coming. But as I said in the first take, I'm a lot more excited for the rest of the draft than I am for first overall because uh, that topic has kind of been yeah, the last what two months. It felt like two years. So mm-hmm. yeah, very excited for everything else. But the first overall pick, I, I kind of want to just rip that off like a band aid at this point. No, absolutely. No, no. It's uh, totally, totally agree. The fact that there's like no clear front runner, it has just made this one um, just that much of a circus. It's like one day it's Slavkovsky and the next day it's back to right. Uh, then we someone puts out a review and it's all oh, right, you know, might not be the right way. And, and then Logan Cooley gets brought up and it's just been cycling through this. And I don't know if it's because it's just our first pick this year. Uh, that it's just that much more in our minds, which I'm sure it is, but it has been pretty exhausting looking on, you know, scrolling Twitter and just no one having like a clear cut, uh, like front runner, I guess. Yeah. And before, just before we even get into that, how about like, let's just introduce the listeners to who you are, Sebastian. So you're working with Dauber right now. Um, just tell us how you got into that because that's exciting. I've been following you on Twitter. I think we've been mutuals for a couple of years now, and I know this is a, a newer development for you. So how did you how did you get started with that? Yeah, um, it's a pretty long road that mainly started with me not really having any friends or family that were into watching hockey, uh, despite growing up in Montreal, which is like, <laughs> you think that's impossible, but it, it kind of just happened with me. So I was always looking out for just like people to interact with in terms of hockey. Uh, so my, my real in into just like having an online presence with hockey was uh, writing for Winning Habit, uh, which I started um, in 20, December of 2018. Uh, and I'm still occasionally writing there, but it's just, it's far from my main priority at this point. Uh, and yeah, and then I, I guess I started like, paying attention to the drafts when the pandemic hit. Uh, so in 2020, I, I read the entire EP Rinkside Draft Guide. And if anyone, anyone listening is, in, is interested in getting started with prospects, just get like a one-month subscription to, to Elite Prospects when they have their draft guide out because it's such good quality. The analysis is tremendous. And 
yeah, it was really my my in and just the amount of just value in in their analyses of so many different players was awesome to read and got me really excited for the draft. So when I was reading that and then watching videos from uh, Scouching on YouTube, which is another great recommendation to if you're into prospects, that's a big plug right there for Will Scouch from Scouching. Uh, but with those two sources, basically, I constructed my own ranking list. And that was kind of my in into not scouting, but like getting interested and aware of the prospects that were available. Then 2021, I actually got to get like some actual game tape in. Wasn't very much, but it was something. And then it still relied on a lot of like written stuff. And then it was really just this year where I took a real deep dive into like, yes, I'm still reading all these things because I enjoy reading others' opinions and there are scouts out there that are just such intelligent people and they pick up on things that I don't, that when I read the, those things and I look back, I can actually see exactly what they're talking about. But this year, it's really just been me scouting, right? So watching game tape, just really getting all that gritty work done. And yeah, so I, I started with Dauber as the Hab scout in, in late March. Uh, so basically, I like if you go on like Dauber prospects on the Habs page, that's all my work is like all like the write ups for each player in there, the ratings of like upside and certainty. That's all things that I've decided, and I'm gonna obviously go and like really revamp all that after the draft. Uh, but in this lead up to the draft, I've mainly been scouting the draft eligibles, and yeah, and then. Once I was within Dauber, I also picked up the position of writing a monthly article about the WHL. And then on my birthday, I got a DM from E2, who's the head scout for the draft team, saying, like, asking me if I'd wanted to join the team, basically. And that was quite the birthday gift to get. Uh, that's, that was something I was really, really hoping to be able to do. <laughs> and I was, I was even able to contribute to Dauber's final rankings this year, which... I actually thought was like super generous of the, the Dauber team because I didn't scout with them the entire year, but they still welcomed in my opinions and I pushed hard for some of the guys I'm very high on. So the reason that Frank Nazer is at number four on Dauber's list is because I really <laughs> pushed for Frank Nazer at number four. Uh, otherwise he could have fell, fallen to like number six. So uh, that was just really fun. And it's just a great team of people. And I, I think above just like, getting my name out there more it's just interacting with more people which is the whole reason I started out with this is wanting to interact with other hockey fans and it's why I'm so happy doing this podcast appearance too it's just so much fun to me and yeah I'm just very excited for next season and next draft eligibles because 2023 is such a damn good class no, absolutely. Like, I totally agree with you on the, you know, getting to interact with people. It's part of why I think me and Corey absolutely love doing this podcast. And, you know, as toxic and just horrible as Habs, Habs Twitter is, you can meet I love a it, lot though. of like-minded people. It, it you sucks, love it. but I love it. Absolutely. I yeah, totally It's like, see it's like the worst thing ever, but it's amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a... It's it's like a love-hate relationship, but I love it a lot more than I hate it. Even <laughs> even though we have some interesting people with in that community. No, absolutely. And um, I think we mentioned it. I, I forgot to mention it, so I'm just going to add it in here. If there are any audio issues for the listeners, it is because Sebastian is in Europe. And we spoke about this on the first take. And I think we forgot to speak about it on this one. So I'm just going to get it yeah. in there. And if you want to talk about that, that's up to you. Don't sell or yourself short, Mason. Your audio has been pretty tough lately. <laughs> oh, wait. <for> <laughs> but at least you can, you, get to, you can blame Europe for this episode. In future episodes, not. But like this one time you have. The episode, so you have no, to use it. Yeah, so like, do you do we want to jump straight to the uh, class of 2022, or do you want to talk about your Europe trip a little bit? Because I've always wanted to go, and I imagine you're just having a blast right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's ever gone on an interrail trip with a three-month train pass for the entirety of Europe oh and travel around with the microphone 
to to do podcasts and stuff so and uh scouted in like 20 different places uh like I, I i don't know how many hours i've spent watching hockey games on european trains and the amount of weird looks i've gotten from people in like great britain where it's like what's ice hockey right but <laughs> yeah a couple a couple days ago i got to like sit in the park in sweden and watch uh, some hockey and write a hockey article and i felt like i'm finally in a place now where people would like understand at least what i'm doing uh and that was kind of a good feeling but but no it's been tremendous i i love to travel uh and i mean it's the first summer where traveling is really a possibility again since the pandemic and i'd planned on going on a trip in 2020 which uh kind of fell through for obvious reasons and yeah so i'm glad to be doing it now and yeah, right. I, I I don't know. It was like I think like some <laughs> kind of flu or something. Totally not like a worldwide pandemic that killed millions. Nah, that that, that definitely didn't happen. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know that's you know I've always wanted to go to Europe, so I'm happy that you get to experience that. That sounds absolutely tremendous. And now a word from our sponsors over at DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to a hundred that a hundred to Jesus to one thousand dollars, not a hundred thousand. That's right. Make your first bet up to one thousand dollars, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major actions for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and prop bets, your betting options feel endless. Um, Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Y'all remember to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet on the $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings. The minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. And now uh, how about we get into you know what we, we all are dying to talk about. I am the, uh, what, what do you want to say, Corey, self-appointed prospect guy on this podcast i am in no means an expert by any sort of standard so we're really happy to have you here and i guess i'll start it off by saying i answer the question how fans are dying to know you are ken hughes you get up there tomorrow at 7 p.m i think it's 7 p.m when the draft starts and maybe maybe an hour off whose name are you calling uh, yeah, without hesitation, I'm taking Shane Wright. Um, I, I look, I, I, I even got in quite a few live viewings of Shane Wright this season because I, I'm studying in Ottawa and got to go to like 25 or something, 67s games. Humble so Brian. whenever the Kingston Frontenacs <laughs> were in town, you know, I was there in the stands. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting because when I first saw Shane Wright, I was like, what the hell is the hype about this dude? That was back in November when like, <laughs> like you have, you have to understand I hadn't been scouting like at all at this point. I was mainly just like reading analyses. So I was just like, this dude is like not flashy. Why is he first overall? Right. So I, I took that notes of like the quiet game for Wright. He scored a goal from in tight, I guess, but like he didn't really do much. But then, like, the more and more I just scouted other players, the more and more I began to appreciate Shane Wright's game, which is something most scouts were able to appreciate from the very beginning because they had more experience than I did going into it. And it, it really, he really is a slow burn type of player. And if the Habs do select him and he plays, like, nine games of the trial run in the fall, expect a ton of, like, people on Habs Twitter and in the media to be like, He's so disappointing. It was a quiet game. He's not standing out because that's not his game. He's mm-hmm. not going to dazzle you. Like even like, like Yuri Slavkovsky, like a lot of people I know are, are harping on him and he's at fifth overall for me. So he's not really in consideration at first or even at second really. But 
Slavkovsky has a ton of skill and he can really flash it and make some highlight reel plays. And he's going to be on the highlight reels a lot more in his career than Shane Wright is. But I think that Wright is just by far the most intelligent player in this draft class. He's always at the right place at the right time because he adjusts his speed to arrive at really the perfect time consistently. He supports his teammates tremendously. In transition, he puts up tremendous metrics. Like uh, if you follow Mitch Brown on Twitter, that's a great recommendation. He tracks uh, like transition data and like offense and defensive data by like manually. And Shane Wright is tremendous in transition despite not being very dynamic. So he's not the type of player that you'd really expect to excel in transition. A bit like Brendan Gallagher in that in that weird little sense. I'm not comparing Wright to Gallagher in any way as players, but in that little way, they they, they have some similarities because Wright just connects play tremendously well. He will support his teammates. He's consistently the third forward to enter the offensive zone because he's the one making the the, the pass to a teammate. He's the one connecting play, and he's the one that wants to trail in the offensive zone so he can glide into the slot when defenders have their backs turned to him and from there he's pretty lethal with his shot and he's just a tremendous player and even though I don't see the defensive upside of like a Patrice Bergeron or even Phil Deneau which a lot of people have been talking about with Wright is his defensive game he's going to be a solid enough defensive player to not get buried at five on five against the best players in the league which is honestly all you need and because his offensive game is so clinical and intelligent and effective i i i see a first line center in right if he's developed correctly and uh, under bergevay i would not have been confident in that development happening but with this new organization not not just with hughes and gordon but really top down this 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 turnaround that we're seeing with the Habs. i really do think that shane Wright could be a first line center and that's an upside that you just can't uh, deny and I think his floor is a second line center and that's the home run for me in this draft class at number one and you're not going to get any type of that safety and upside combination with any other player that's and see that's the big thing I think with Shane Ray and I by the way I love your analysis there it was much more and I kind of go oh well he's smart and he has good hockey IQ so we really appreciate you being on that on here to have that in-depth analysis I mean, I, I've watched but I've watched a lot a lot of minutes of Shane Wright to be able to, to say something that that concisely <laughs> so it, it, it yeah it's a lot of investment for that knowledge but it's it's worthwhile so, no absolutely yeah go Sorry, ahead Curry, you... no 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 I, oh, I was just... yeah continue okay <laughs> I was just gonna add that I think it's a good point to make that Shane Wright may not have the ceiling that some expected him to, because after his uh, exceptional status, his underage year, you know, people were looking at this kid outscoring McDavid's underage yeah. season in the OHL, and we're expecting this generational talent. And then we saw this year where he kind of, you know, started off very lackluster, very average. And I think the truth, and you can add in on this, I think it's more somewhere in the middle of those two anal- of those two assumptions. I don't think he's going to be, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be Bedard or McDavid, but I, you know, I do think missing a year plays a big impact. And if, look, if you can get a legit second line center who can score goals and can be decent defensively, like you said, that's a home run in in pretty much any draft and especially when you're drafting first overall the big thing is you you may you're usually not getting the best player when you draft first overall but you need to get a player otherwise you're going to hear about that forever like like nico hishier was not the best player of that class that's obviously obviously kale mccarr but (laughs) at number one that year the entire question was between nolan patrick and nico hishier so the Devils made a good pick at number one, right? Like no, no one's going back now saying the Devils are idiots for passing on him. They're saying the Flyers were dumb, right? Because they're blaming the other team because yeah. the first mm-hmm. overall team isn't the one to question in that stance because again, Cam McCarr fell to four and even that was seen as a reach at the time. But 
yeah, I, I'm really excited to see how this draft goes from that standpoint and just see like which teams are also brave enough to swing on upside. So guys like Frank Nazer and Brad Lambert, I'm convinced that they're going to go to teams like the Dallas Stars, the Minnesota Wild, or even like the Avalanche, if they trade up, if they see a talent fall far enough. Those are just teams that have consistently drafted ridiculously well. Like the Dallas Stars in both of the last two seasons, they've picked the guy that I wanted the Habs to pick with their first round pick. So in, in 2020, <laughs> I, I was I was so going for Maverick Bork. I was like, this guy is so much fun. He's Quebecois as well, which is just the bonus. It wasn't the reason. It was just like, yeah, I mean, I'll take it, right? And he was just such an offensively dynamic player. And then he fell to the stars at like, what, 30, 31? No, 30, because it was, yeah, mm-hmm. 30. Like, that was nuts. And then last year, I was like, Give give me Stankoven. He's also he was a Habs fan <laughs> growing up. He's a gritty guy. Just staple him next to Gallagher. Be like, just just like learn everything you can from this guy. <laughs> and who would have thunk the the guy with like super like a, a tremendous shot, great goal scoring ability, and just overall offensive dynamo did great in the WHL this year. Like, yeah. So uh, the Dallas stars are going to pick a good player. I feel like again this year and Wyatt Johnson is also great. So, yeah. So I have a question before we no, move too far past Shane, Wright. Sorry, Mason. Um, no, with, since you, you're a Habs fan, uh, obviously now you're doing the scouting aspect of it. Uh, you've chose Shane Wright first overall. Um, we see it a lot, and I feel like we're about to start moving out of the spectrum of it. But do you think Shane Wright would do – would it do him good to have a year in, in the AHL or wherever he uh, – I sound like a fucking idiot, but do you think he has a better shot at, at getting some more uh, training and development instead of coming up because he's the first overall pick and come straight into, into the league like they did with KK? I think that Owen Power deciding to go back to the NCAA is making it a bit easier now for first mm-hmm. overall picks to, to make that decision. Obviously, it's not happening next year. Connor Bedard should be in the <laughs> NHL right now in terms of ability. But Shane, Shane Wright, uh, so he he can't play in the, in the AHL next year because mm-hmm. of the, the agreement between leagues. Okay. Uh, he'll have to, it's either OHL or NHL for him. And I'm on, I'm on the boat of, I, I want him back in the OHL for a full season because if nothing else, just for his confidence. He's, he's very confident in his abilities when talking about them, but in his play, sometimes he's, he's doubting his abilities and he doesn't use his high-level tools enough. At least he did this season. In, in some clips of his uh, first OHL season, there was a real cockiness to his game uh, offensively, but like in a good way, not like in a selfish way. He's still like this great connector of play, but like he knows, he knew how good he was. And then this year, after a slower start, there's always a sense of him doubting just how good he can be. And I think with an extra year in the OHL where he just shreds up the league because his shot is like, I, I'm just gonna list off like the, the, the toolkit, like not, not, not hockey IQ. Everyone knows his hockey IQ is tremendous, but the straight up tools in this draft class, Shane Wright has a top five shot. He has the best vision in the entire class in terms of passing. He, his execution on passing is top five in the class, his skating, which was harped on quite a bit early on, uh, earlier on the season, I think is pretty, pretty decent. Like it's, it's certainly about average and his physicality, his, like, he's one of the strongest player on players on his feet in the entire draft class. He's like the mix Suzuki comparisons are just really interesting to me because they're really similar players in a lot of ways. But uh, some of those reasons are like, they're both very strong on their feet despite not being super big uh very intelligent they don't play with at the highest of paces right like you're not going to see nick suzuki or shane wright sprinting all game long because it's just not their games uh but yeah i think i think shane wright has these tremendous tools and just playing an extra year in the ohl just like i mean suzuki had an extra two years in the, in the ohl and look where he is now right give shane wright one more season in the ohl to just dominate and then he can come into the NHL at, with a high level of confidence. Whereas I think now if he came into the NHL, there'd be a bit more doubt in this game. 
I don't mind giving him a five or nine game trial with the Habs at the beginning of the season, but I hope that if that's done, it's always with the goal in mind of getting him that taste mm-hmm. and then sending him back to the OHL to just dominate. It's like, yes, okay, even if you are ready, first of all, the Habs are going to suck next year. You don't need him on that team, right? Like, it's not like you're going for a cup and you need every piece of talent in your organization. Just let him develop. And I hope that this generation of the Habs as an organization is going to have the patience to make that kind of decision. I, I think you hit it on the nail with the Nick Suzuki comparison. I was actually about to mention that. So I love that you brought it up. Um, but, and I think if anything, I going back for one season, you say like to get his confidence or whatever, you can even justify it in saying to make up for the year that he lost. Right. And I, I feel like for sure. in a, in a draft class that has been dominated by, I think a lot of European and American players, you know, we see have risen since the start of the season. And I don't think that's been talked about enough is that a lot of these Canadian hockey players, they lost a year. They lost a lot of time. And if you don't think that's, if you don't think that's made some sort of impact, even on Shane Wright's confidence with like, I read a story that he was so bored. He, like became a scratch golfer because he couldn't find any ice to skate on for like three months. Right. So it definitely impacted their game a little bit. And I totally agree. I think if I, I would like to say when, but you know, we're not sure. Kent Hughes, I think is just loving toying with us about who he's going to make first overall. But if Montreal draft Shane, right. First overall, I totally agree. I think he should go back to the OHL. I think he should dominate with Kingston and then he should come back when we have Con- with Connor Bedard in, uh, 2023 right i i swear if the habs land con bernard you're gonna have a clip of me like running around jumping around because i'm i mean i'm, I'm live streaming the, the draft this year as well and I'm, I'm sure i'll do a similar thing next year if i'm not at the actual draft which i could have been this year but it, being in europe you can't really be in north mm-hmm. america at the same time um but yeah i mean bedard is just crazy good and uh if the habs get him i'm yeah, I'll be very, very happy to say the least. No, absolutely. And just to kind of pivot a little bit, you know, Shane Wright has a lot of naysayers. I think all three of us can think of one bumbling Habs Twitter idiot in <laughs> particular, a former scout. Oh, my God. I'm surprised think- not blocked yet. I, I've quote retweeted him with, like, quite a bit of uh, criticism and uh, – for some reason, I haven't been blocked yet. So that's fun. No, absolutely. Um, for our listeners, Grant McKaig, we've spoken about him before. But you know what? He's not, as much as I hate to say it, he's not a small minority. There are a lot of even Habs fans who I think have an old school mentality. Um, but I'm part of the reason I, I was excited to get you on here is because I find on Twitter you get a lot of very extreme so you get people that scream that Yurov Slokovsky is the greatest player to ever step foot on the ice and you get people that say he can't play hockey at all he should go in the third round what I like about what you said is you have him fifth and I think that is a pretty accurate projection of where he should be because personally Corey and I kind of like him I don't think he should go first overall but I don't think you know as some Habs fans say that he's this horrible player that shouldn't be drafted by any team so you know, while you've already told us you don't think he should go in the top three, just can you give us your kind of analysis on him, why you placed him fifth, and maybe if you could, maybe kind of why you think people are rating him as highly as they are? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I have to tweet about that a couple of times just because both extremes annoy me a lot because, um, yeah, I mean, like, look, this entire season, I've, like, I, Mason, I'm sure you, you've noticed, I, I love players like Denton Tachuk and Jagger Fergus and Lane Hudson and Noah Östlund. These are players that I have, like, I've been pushing ever since I first watched yes. them because they're Absolutely. so much fun. And they're all guys I have rated lower than Slavkovsky, right? So even though like relative to like where he will go, I'm low on him, I like him a ton as a prospect because... I wouldn't have him at five otherwise. I think this is something that a lot of people misinterpret in 
like rankings is that oh this person hates this player because he's like lower than expected and that's not the case at all like if i hated the player he'd be in my like fourth round and he's not right he's at fifth because he is he's a really really good player <laughs> he, he just he's very very good and there's a ton of upside there and i think a lot of people are painting Slavkovsky as this physical mean guy with low upside that's not the case whatsoever like he i mean he's physical and mean like don't get me wrong the dude the dude's massive and he knows how to use his size like he literally throws off like grown men off his back like they're mosquitoes like it's it's really fun to watch when he's like really going and it's more just that it's been it really in flashes this season so on the international stage he's been phenomenal in the league he's been decent and the Liga is not like the SHL, the Swedish league. It's not a league where if you score seven points in a season, you're like, oh, a pretty decent prospect. <laughs> like the SHL is really an excellent league. Whereas like Capo Caco went almost a point a game and he's still mm. in his draft year. And I'm he still hasn't gained a real foothold. Yeah, right. Like, like there, there are all these things. I'm not, I'm not saying that Sapkowski won't have a foothold, like a, a foothold in a top six role within the next four years. What I'm saying is that his production in the Liga is a genuine thing to keep in mind. And I've also written on Twitter tons of times, like, like production is like the most overrated thing for me in prospect analyses, because it's what leads to the production that's important, not the actual production. Like some guys are just snake bit, like Brad Lambert this season. Like I've watched him all the time and every time like he's creating and his teammates are just flubbing their shots or he goes Absolutely. for a shot and he just hits the post five times in a game right Zero like like sometimes it just won't work yeah like it just won't yeah. work sometimes and i i don't think i could be wrong here i don't think i am i believe i saw a statistic that lekkinen actually had a higher point per game rate than slavkovsky in his draft year by a lot by a lot just yeah, yeah just to add to your point like yeah, and he he even look, Brad Lambert had a higher points per game in the league of the season than Yuri Slavkovsky. No one's talking about that. Everyone has Brad Lambert in like <laughs> their 20s or something, which I just don't get. But um, at the same time, Yuri Slavkovsky is a very, very projectable player to the NHL. He has a style as a, as a highly physical player uh, player who is an excellent playmaker and is dominant along the boards and that that is a tremendous uh, profile to have and because of his olympics where he scored seven goals and had no assists a lot of people are profiling him as a sniper he's not a sniper he's not he's not gonna be this like 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 the a goal scorer over a playmaker it's his like one touch playmaking ability from in and around the net that i find most impressive and also like his ability to get from the boards, access the middle of the ice, either fire off a shot or pass to a teammate. And he's, again, he's very, very skilled. His puck skills are very good. He it doesn't he accelerate very quickly, but he's quite mobile as a skater, especially for someone of the size of his weight. Cause he already weighs like what, 225 pounds and he's 18. Like he's, 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 he's a big dude and he moves around pretty, pretty well. And it's a really interesting combination as the profile, but I just think that there is a lot more risk with with picking Slavkovsky than there is with picking Wright. Even if both players could become first line forwards that produce thirty to forty goals and eighty points, like I think both players could reach that kind of ceiling. But Wright plays a premium position at center, and he's like I, I do not question that Wright is not a centerman. Like he is, he is meant for the role as a centerman, even if his faceoff ability needs quite a bit to go i think he was he was under 50 percent in the ohl which is not really great but uh he's a natural center he needs to play the center of the ice whereas slavkovsky a team might want to put him at center because he's big but he's a winger he, he dominates along the boards and if you take that aspect of his game away from him he's not going to be nearly as effective and yeah i think slavkovsky is a really good swing if you have a like Look, even if you're picking third overall, I think it's fine. One and two, like for me in my draft rankings, I have 
uh, Shane Wright in his tier on his own at one, and Frank Nazer in his tier on his own at two. Those are those are my, my guys at one and two, which is going to surprise some people because Nazer's probably going to be available around 15 or even 18 wow. in this draft. And Logan Cooley for me is number four, even though between him and Brad Lambert at three was a literal coin flip. Like I, I didn't actually flip a coin, but like it could have gone either way. I was more, it was more just like, I like Lambert's been my boy all year. So I was like, I'm sticking with it, but this could be, this could be either way. It's that was like the, the, the tightest ranking on my entire list. And then Slavkovsky's at five right after them, but in the same tier as them. And I mean, I I've been going, I, I've been supporting Brad Lambert all year, but he's in the same tier as Slavkovsky for me. So if, if at three, I mean, Lambert's, uh, uh, Nazer's not going at two, but in a hypothetical world where Wright and Nazer are off the board at one and two, I'm fine with uh, Sofkowski at three. Totally fine with it. And for those who aren't maybe as familiar with Brad Lambert, and you can correct me if I'm I'm wrong here, I've known about Lambert as long as I've known about Shane Wright. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if going into this year he was projected as highly, but for a long time he was touted as the number two guy in this draft. Was he not? Yes, along with Matthew Savoy. So, yeah. so it, it was Savoy, Lambert, and Wright that were the projected one, two, three uh, for the last two years. And going into the season, that was the one, two, three that was projected. And now if either of Lambert and Savoy go two or three, I'd be pretty shocked. Um, yeah, so, so Brad Lambert is um, a – he has the best combination of skating ability, speed, and skill in the entire class. Like Logan Cooley is dynamic, but he's not nearly as fast as um, as Brad Lambert is. And Frank Nazer is very skilled and really quick, but his fluidity just doesn't compare to Brad Lambert's. He's just probably in terms of raw skill, it's between it's a coin flip for me between Wright and Lambert as the top two in the class and just raw ability. However, there are some frustrating aspects of Lambert's game. He can uh, overhandle the puck and just miss passing options by just focusing on the handling. But he is, he is just tremendous to watch. And a lot of people are harping on his hockey IQ. That's not something I've noticed at all as an issue. I think he's a fairly intelligent player, even for a top 10 pick. And uh, a lot of people are also calling him like only offensive, with, like, like lazy defensively, just I don't know what like what games they watched because whenever I've watched Brad Lambert, he back checks really hard and he's very fast. So he catches up and he disrupts play as much as he can, even though he's not the strongest guy. Um, I think Brad Lambert is a tremendously high upside pick anywhere outside the top five. And if he's available for the Habs at 26, uh, I think that's a home run right there. I was going to say the Absolutely. whole time you've been pumping Brad Lambert. I'm like, this guy definitely oh, yeah. has him. If he's falling late, Sebastian's got him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, look, if the Habs can find a way to get my entire top three in this class, like, it's not impossible. Like, the Habs could technically find a way to get right Nazer and Lambert, like, by trading up for Nazer in, like, the mid to late teens and then hoping that Lambert falls. I, I think it's possible. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked in a happy way, but I think it's a, a distinct possibility in of all the outcomes that are available. I don't think it's the least likely. Absolutely. And to even to speak on Lambert, I think a big thing, and you may have a different philosophy when you're scouting players, but if you can have a good stick offensively, it's my kind of general opinion that you can learn to have a good stick defensively it's all about hand eye and if you can understand how to read a defense and how to beat it you can probably understand how to you know be good at being a defensive player but you know we're talking about moving up and drafting players and stuff and i you know as of right now the habs have the first pick the 26th pick and the 33rd pick so i know we've seen a bunch of crazy projections and let's just assume that based on the consensus rankings, is there any player that you've seen that you love ranked around that 26 mark that you think the Habs need this guy? He's falling. Let's get him. Is there anyone that kind of comes to mind? Like I see you're 
looking at your list here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to sort my, my, my sheet by the Bob McKenzie ranking because I have that in there, which is pretty handy. Um, Benton Matejuk, uh by Bob McKenzie ranked 24th. I have him ranked at uh, eight. I think that is uh, that would be a great pickup. Uh, Denton Matejuk is a he's unlike any player in the NHL. The, the best comparison I can find would be Quinn Hughes. I think um, just he's involved in every single play his team makes, whether it's in it's it's offensively, defensively, or in transition. He wants the puck on a stick. He wants to be the guy pressuring the attacker. He wants to be the guy doing everything. And that desire for involvement is something that I really appreciate. Like something I, I criticize a lot in players is like playing passive and Den Matejchuk is the least passive player I've seen in my entire lifetime. He is just constantly like, like look, defensively, like he, he, he's like so intense as a player and he closed down lanes really well. He's super mobile despite lacking a very good top speed. He just moves around so, so well and is very, very agile uh, with the puck on his stick. Um, he's dynamic and just a huge offensive threat in the offensive zone. He is a tremendous playmaker. He loves to, to pinch in the offensive zone and then through his, mo his movement and his agility, it opens up passing lanes and he has the vision to find the passing lanes and the passing ability to execute upon that. And he's, he's, he's just, he's, a, he's awesome. His shot is also pretty good. Like he's, he's, he's a very, very good player. And, uh, uh, he's very divisive in this draft class because he just doesn't play like any NHL player. And that makes it kind of difficult to project in some sense. Another guy to look at is Noah Estland. Uh, he's projected to go at 22. So I feel like falling to 26 isn't really much of a reach uh, in terms of possibility. Um, Noah Estland for me is the four, uh, the fifth most dynamic centerman in this entire class. Oh, okay, no, fourth, because Shane Wright is not more dynamic. He's better in other ways. Uh, but Logan Cooley, Brad Lambert, Frank Nazer are the top three for me in that sense. And then it's, it's Estland. His combination of skill, um, speed, agility, um, and just overall intelligence and defensive ability is tremendous. Um, he's my favorite of the Jurgen uh, trio in Lekaramaki, uh, Ergren, and Esland. I probably my most like shocking ranking on my entire board is Lekaramaki at 26, especially since the Habs want to potentially move up in the draft at like seven for, for him. Um, I don't hate Lekaramaki. I think even in like the, the teens, he's a decent pick. Um, top 10 is a bit much for me, but uh, Noah Eslin for me is, is a guy that I love. He's ranked at seven for me. I, I love him so much as a player. He's so much fun. He's so intelligent. Uh, he's a great playmaker. His one-timer is a pretty, pretty decent threat as well. And just with the puck on a stick, there are a few players in this class that are more impressive than, than him. So those are two guys I'd look at. And then Lane Hudson, just get, give me Lane Hudson. I, I don't care where it is. If it's, if it's uh, 33rd overall 62 66 I, I don't care like just give me lane i just i just want him in the hab system just let him develop for like the entirety of his college years add a like add more like defensive consistency that guy can be a quinn hughes if he hits and that that's just awesome well and i think you may have just answered my, my question here because i i have heard you talk about all three of the players you mentioned, especially Lane Hudson. Um, and actually, before I lead into this question, just going to slightly transition here and ask you another one. So Matejchuk is kind of, I've seen in consensus rankings, everyone has Nimich, Yurchek. Generally, those are the two listed above. And I've seen him kind of slotted in with Korchinski and uh, the Russian. Matejchuk. Uh, yeah, yes. of, yeah. So, you know, three kind of very offensive players. You have him ranked eighth. Where where do you rank the other two? Because I've seen those three very yeah. they vary so much. People can't seem to decide who's the best of the three of them. Yeah. Uh, so I have Mitikov at nine. So Matejchuk Mitikov for me also like a pairing of just dynamic offensive defensemen that are pretty solid defensively and are just tremendous passers in the offensive zone. Um, they have quite a few similarities. They're both very mobile. 
uh, very intelligent players. And I look if 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 the has pick get find a way to get Minkov because he falls just because he's Russian, uh, which I think is possible. Um, yeah, like uh, sign me up. I I'd love that. Um, Korchinski, I'm a lot lower on than most of the consensus. He is at uh, 31 on my board, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, uh, no, he's at 30. He's at 30 on the dot. So uh, he's at 30 on my on my list, and that's a lot lower than most people have him. Um, I think a really interesting comparable that I've heard from a lot of people. Uh, with Korczynski is uh, Jake Gardner. He's mobile. He's a good passer. Defensive game is pretty rough. Um, he's a good puck mover. In transition, he uh, shows a lot of dynamism, but also turns the puck over a ton. <laughs> so there's a lot. I- I'm a lot more hesitant to, to draft Korczynski high than the other two, but I think Korczynski is going to be drafted higher because he's big. He's not, he's not heavy yet, but he's going to fill out that frame and he's six foot two, uh, but he kind of looks a bit taller to me in my viewings he might be six, three. Um, and I, I think, I think he'll be drafted as the third defenseman. No, Ryan Chesley might, might be up there too. Um, I think Chesley might, might be the Ottawa pick if they decide to keep it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a really big fan of both Matejchuk and Nintikov. Okay. Uh, yes. And all three of them, from what I've like, there seems to be an, a kind of, maybe, I don't know if it's been stated enough, how many defensemen I think could go in this first round. There seems to be a decent crop there, but you know, we've spoken about Lane Hudson. I know you are very high on him. Uh, the analytics agree. Um, Brian Bader's projections have even, you know, they love him too. They project him to have very high potential to not only be an, an NHL player, but to be an NHL star. We've spoken about Bader's projections on this before. I love that model. But, you know, maybe other than if Hudson's your answer, tell us, but then maybe provide another name. Who is, without a doubt, you know, regardless of where he's going to go, who is your favorite player in this draft class? Mm, that's really tough. Um, <laughs> that's a really tough question. Like, because I, I, I feel like, um, like, like, like an expression that Cam Robinson of EP uses is that every year he, he, he like adds like five or six sons to his collection of like hockey sons of just like <laughs> I love this player so much. Like, I just want to treasure this, 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 this little hockey player. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I think, I think that the players that come to mind first for me would be Frank Nazer, um, Brad Lambert. Um, Lane Hudson, Noah Ersland, and uh, Noah Warren. Noah Warren's at like 50th on my board. Um, but he's also the first player that ever stuck out to me positively this season because I went to a Gatineau game, um, with my, my, my good friend Patrick Lorty, and we were actually in like the media, in like the media and scout box at that game. We we're like 15 feet away from Trevor Tippmann, so that was interesting. Um, and Noah Warren's the guy that just stood out so much to us. It wasn't Tristan Leneau. And, uh, as I was saying earlier, my scouting ability at that point was lackluster in comparison to what it is now, but my read on Noah Warren has not changed since then. That was one thing that I got right at the beginning. Uh, just really massive, mean defenseman who skates tremendously well and is very, very intelligent. He's not going to be one of your mindless, big defensemen that just like, Ices the puck every two seconds. He's very calculated and very intelligent with how he uses his physicality. He does not chase hits. He uses it very productively. And even though I have him ranked 50th on the dot, he's a guy I, I like. If the Habs pick him 33rd, I'm like, okay, not the guy I would have picked because of upside, but I love this pick, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate him a lot. So if I have to go with one guy just because he was like my OG day one dude, Noah Warren. He is massive. Six five. He's, they got him two twenty four right now. Have have you have you seen the hit he laid on Shane Wright at the CHL Top Prospects game? He bodied Shane Wright behind the net. He destroyed. He did not know with Shane Wright, but like it, he's yeah, he's so strong. Like if wow. in terms of like just like pure strength, he's top two with Lee and Bichelle for me in in this draft class. And Slavkovsky, yeah, Slavkovsky's up there too. Well, and maybe it's a little off 
out of touch, out of base here, but we're talking about how big and mean Noel Warren is. Slavkovsky weighs more than him. Yeah. Just to get a picture on how big that guy is. I think Slavkovsky's hard massive. Like even by NHL standards, there aren't a lot of players that weigh as much as Slavkovsky. Which is and, just and he's like, absolutely he's, he's he's like jacked. He's not there's like his body fat percentage has to be super low. Like he, he's just in great, great shape. Um, so it's not like like it's not like an overweight like thing going on there of like, oh, he has to come into training camp shedding weight he might want to do that just for like stamina standards and like even having a lot more muscle can, uh, I mean, decrease, decrease your stamina, but yeah, he's, he's a beast. Um, and on the subject of him, just because we hear, I think I hear this argument more than any other when the McCag enthusiasts or the Slavkovskyists, whatever you want to call them, talk about him. They say the ceiling the ceiling on this guy is so high. Um, look, you may agree, you may disagree, but it doesn't have to be him. And I think you're going to say, I think I know who you're going to say here, but who you have as the highest ceiling, maybe, you know, the chance of them reaching it may be low, but what prospect do you think if he just a hundred percent maximizes his potential will be the best player in this draft? It's between four players for me. Um, no, five between five players. Uh, Slavkovsky would be the sixth, so he doesn't quite crack that top five. Um, it's between Wright, Cooley, Lambert, Nazer, and Yurchek for me. I think David Yurchek has a very high ceiling as well, uh, but I'm going to go Frank Nazer on this. I think uh, for me, it's between him and Lambert, but Frank Nazer. It's his combination of, well, just about everything. He, um, no player in this class drives the middle of the ice like Frank Nazer does. He incessantly attacks the, the middle. Um, he's constantly buzzing around the slot if there's a loose puck. Uh, his shot is one of the better ones in the class. His playmaking is among the better ones in the class. Um, his hands are very, very good. He's one, he's probably the fastest player in the class. Like he has all these amazing abilities that just make him so dynamic, just so skilled. And if he hits, that is a, for me, like 40 goal, hundred point first line centerman right there. If he, if he hits, hits like to the max. Um, and I think Shane Wright, if he hits, hits to the max is more like a 35 goal, 90 point guy, which wouldn't be too bad either. So if the Habs land chain right at one and he maxes out at that, no complaints for me. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and since I've been hogging the mic here, I'm just going to pass it over to Corey and see, oh. uh, buddy, you have any questions for our guest here? Oh, uh, dude, like how, how, how much do you feel like we've captured you and you can't get out of this right now? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I just feel like we we've kept you on for so long, uh, but what a, it it's been so fucking insightful to me, uh, especially when I sit back and listen. You know, like I've I've really uh, am intrigued by our guests because normally, like I'm just trying to like make make conversation as well. But when I do get like when I do get hooked on on what you're saying, like I tend to just sit in the back and and be the editor. But no, this has been like amazing to listen to. Uh, most of my like piggyback questions were, were getting fired away by Mason. So, so honestly, like, I, I really don't have much else. Um, I honestly thought we were going to get Brad Lambert's name five times. Um, and, and, you know, who, who's going to have the highest upside. Uh, but no, I honestly, a lot of these guys, I'm just sitting here as if we're talking about, I'm just looking at them and I'm like, you know, even like Bob McKenzie's got him falling a little bit or or yeah, anything like that. It's just uh, the possibility of grabbing anyone this in this draft. I think uh, me and Mason had talked about it, that this was just a little off just because some of these, you know, the, these kids lost like an entire year of play. So uh, I feel like that one, you know, we don't have as much coverage on them. They didn't develop as much as they could have. But it also leaves like you can grab somebody way later and it'd be like the 
you know, they just click better than someone who was in the same position. And I just think this is one of the funnest classes to have because there's so much uh, like unknown going into it. Um, we have, you know, we have the analytics that we have. We have people like Sebastian that are, that are out watching the games and, but there's still that, you know, honestly, which kid is going to want it more, which kid's going to get on a team that has the right, um, the right development group to help him and watch his game skyrocket. Um, honestly, Mason, Sebastian, I, I really don't have anything else. Uh, I've just been along for the ride, just getting educated. <laughs> well, no, absolutely. Like you said, we, we have kept you for a while here. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. So we can start to uh, close things out, but, you know, I think we've extended most of our, expended most of our questions was there anything that you kind of wanted to speak about touch on before we started to get out of here yeah i think i think two things uh first of all i somehow got through this entire episode without mentioning jagger Furcus's name which i think is a crime i love jagger Furcus. he's ranked at 13 for me and another very realistic target for the habs at 26 or 33 because the dude weighs 154 pounds despite being 5'10". So he, he could very easily fall. Um, and honestly, he could also be in that top five conversation in terms of upside in this entire draft class. The skill, the shooting ability, like his shot for me is top three in the class with Kamel and the Karamanki. Uh, and if he adds some, like when he adds more muscle, I think he'll be the, the clear top guy in terms of shot uh, in the entire draft class. His playmaking is also very, very good. His hands are some of the be best ones in the draft class. He has this entire offensive toolkit that is tremendous. And even ranking him at 13, I was like, this feels too low for this guy. Uh, and I, I was really, really considering, because I, I have Matthew Savoy at, uh, at 12, and I was really, really close to putting Jagger Furkis at 12 over Savoy. But just because Savoy's game projects more for the NHL and he's more physically mature and well projectable in, in terms of just his physicality uh i i, I couldn't really justify putting Fergus higher but i love that dude and uh, i think the other thing is just some like late round targets because we, we talked a lot about like first round pick and early second round pick but the late round guys are kind of the most fun almost uh so i, I just want to like just mention off a, a couple names that i'd like a lot in the later rounds um Okay, obviously Lane Hudson, uh, we covered him already because he's awesome. Another thing that has to be considered here is that there are a couple of Russian players I love in uh, Gleb Trikhozov and uh, Vladimir Gurdinin, with especially now the new development in Russia with the, the Philadelphia's goalie prospect being detained and now being sent uh, to Siberia um, to or, or the Arctic or wherever. Uh, for military service for a year as punishment for wanting to go to the NHL, you're going to see Russian players drop like stones unless they have verbal agreements with teams to play North America. So what I'm saying, interesting swings in late rounds, I'm talking mainly skill, but teams have to decide, is that worth the risk for them? What's the likelihood of the player actually ever playing in North America? But uh, Vladimir Grudinin is a super mobile defenseman, high skill, a bit undersized, but very intelligent defensively that I like a lot and I think would be a great pickup, but there's just so much uncertainty. But with other guys that are less uncertain, um, Adam Sakura is just awesome. He's He doesn't have the highest ceiling, but this is just like, he has the highest motor in the entire draft class. He just, like, he's going at 100% all the time and just such a good four checker. With the puck, he's quite a bit of skill, good shot, intelligent overall, one of the better defensive players in the entire draft. He's projected at 63 by McKenzie. I was expecting him at like 40 because he had a great um, world championships, but he's still projected pretty low. And he went first overall in the yeah. WHL draft and might and might go over to, to Canada uh, next season. So he's, he's really fun. Uh, but there's so many good players in this draft class. I could, sorry? he's another Slovakian player right Sakura Sakura yeah. so, so Sakura is yeah uh, Sakura is Slovakian as well um so the the, the four Slovakians in the class are uh, Nemes Slavkovsky uh, Meshar and Sakura 
they're all really, really fun and very, very good. Um, I think Philip Meshar would be a great get in the second round. He might fall as well. Um, and I think the last guy I'm going to plug, uh, last two guys, I have to go with two. Uh, last two guys, um, I would say Isaiah George is a great defenseman from the, from the OHL. Just plays a very, very physical game, very intelligent game. He's, good, he's one of the best skaters in the entire draft class. Uh, his offensive ceiling is untapped. He did not put up much production this year with London, but just a tremendous left defenseman who can play the right side, which is pretty important. And the last guy for me is Julian Lutz. He's, he's the one German player that's interesting, that's interesting this year. And I'm half German. I can speak German fluently. Uh, so I got I to gotta rep my, my boy, uh, my, my, my German, my German <laughs> boy. Uh, Julian Lutz is awesome. He's, he's, he's a super physical forward um and just high motor very effective uh really fast when he gets going uh he's a bit of like a, a freight train when he gets to full speed uh defensive positioning is very sound his shot is quite good um yeah lots of fun players and i think i think an interesting thing is like a lot of like modern scouts or like or at least like modern hockey fans when they look at scouting they are very much anti-physicality I love physical players, but I don't want to draft a player because they're physical. It has to be like a, like a productive physicality. Like some players, like I'm going to mention Mav Maverick Lamaru. They're very, very physical, but they chase hits and it's just not very productive and almost hinders their game more than it helps them. That's when I have an issue with it. Or if your only reason for picking Slavkovsky at number one is because he's big, I have an issue with that because there are other more important things, but I really do appreciate physicality when it's used productively because playoff hockey is physical and uh, you can't have a team of entirely small players just as you can't have a team of entirely big players. You need, you know, you need some of both, right? And players that complement each, each other very well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very fun draft class because of the random factor uh, that, that you're mentioning earlier, Corey, because it's, 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 it's wild. Like I, I have no idea what's, what's going to happen. I put out a mock draft last night, um, just like with my actual prediction of, of, of what's happening in the first round. Um, I would not be surprised if I only got like four out of 33, right? Because I, I added the Habs second round pick to that. But <laughs> it's it's wild and it's so much fun. It's, it's a great, it was a great season for me to get started with scouting just because it's just, it's been so weird and wild and entertaining. Absolutely. And, you know, this, this podcast has been, I don't know how the list, I think the listeners will agree. This has been very entertaining for me. You know, even as I have been engaging with you, just sitting back, listening, getting to pick your brain. This has been absolutely amazing. And, you know, we, as we alluded to earlier, the big draft is coming up next year. We will absolutely have to get you on for that. You know, you'll have the whole year to look at it. We'll get to gush over Bedard. Fantili, Mishkov. It's exciting. There's a load of guys in that draft. So, but, you know, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, though, we have to tell the people where to find you because I'm sure after this, they're going to want to read all your profiles, read your predictions, listen to whatever other podcasts you're doing, whatever articles you're reading. So please plug away. Let the people know. What do you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead this uh, is mason mason just lost his his uh, audio but yeah uh you know just we always give the guests the last few minutes to, to plug away at, at what they want and uh let us know where we can find you yeah so uh i'm most active on twitter so hi underscore sebastian on twitter hi as in high school uh very easy to remember <laughs> because it's a great last name that i've never heard any jokes about in my entire lifetime um and yeah, so Twitter is a great place to follow me. It's also where I will then promote everything I'm doing. So if you follow one thing, do that. Uh, other things I'm doing, uh, Dauber, uh, just uh, on Dauber, I'm managing the Habs page, as I mentioned earlier. Every month I'm posting a, an article on the WHL. And so just, I, I have a lot of freedom with what I can do with that. I can either pick a single player to analyze or a selection of players or a ton of players with a, a few comments on each of them. Uh, so I have one of those coming out every month. And then for the entirety of next season, I'm going to be the OHL scout for Dauber. So wow. 
expect a lot of OHL content uh, from me in, in the coming months. And I'm excited to, to get into watching some draft tape uh, for next year, which I'm going to have to start with in a couple of weeks already. So I'm not going to have too much of a hockey break here, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to the little bit of, of rest I will have. Um, but yeah, I also have a sub stack. So I, I, I don't post on there very much because I have Dauber to write with. Uh, but I, I, I wrote a massive like 23,000 word article on my top 100 players in this draft class. So if you have like a free five hours, you're welcome to read that. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then like, I also write on a winning habit. So if you're a Habs fan, that's another place that we can find my stuff, even though it's not, doesn't come out too regularly, but I do promote it on Twitter. So you can just, just follow me on Twitter and you're fine. And I have a podcast with some friends, uh, which is called Puck and Roll. Uh, and that that's another great one where, where you can support not just me, but a, a few other Habs fans as well. Um, and who are all very interested in prospects as well. So it's a it's a prospect-oriented Habs podcast, and I'm the host of it. So I'm I'm also in that editing chair sometimes, which is always very, very fun. <laughs> so I can I can understand the the joy of sitting uh, behind Audacity or whichever program you use, uh, but yeah. So that, that that that's all for me. But thanks so much for having me. I had a blast coming here, and any opportunity to talk about prospects is one I, I will happily take. So yes, thanks so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, Mason. I'm sure you're back now. Very quiet. Very very thankful to be back. But uh, Sebastian, man, it has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Mason, are, are you with us or are you just here in spirit? I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I almost made it through an entire episode without <laughs> cutting out due to my hillbilly vibe. But, you know, everything Corey said, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Sebastian. This has been awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, excited to uh, continue to see where things go for you with Dubber and all your other pursuits because – you know, like we were speaking, it's, it's been awesome. Even on this podcast, talking about your come up, you know, 23,000 words. Like, you know, you've grinded to get this knowledge and to be here with us speaking. So we really appreciate you taking some time in your busy schedule to talk to us. Great. Th- thanks so much, I guess. I, I, I said thank you already, but I'll say it again. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks again. <laughs> Better to, the, to fill the awkward silence with, with words, I guess. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Sebastian. Well, and with, with that, we're going to end the episode today. If you guys have stuck around to the end, we really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Like you said, you know, go follow Sebastian on Twitter. Go check out all this stuff. And while you're at it, you know, maybe give us a follow. Or if you have another, at Habs Nightly, at the Bayou Menders. But anyway, appreciate you guys. And we will be talking to you again next Monday. This has been Habs Nightly. I believe this has been one for the books as well. Peace. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.